Hey everybody, Zach here. Quick note before we dive into this week's episode. So, for those of you who are not aware, Enrollify is made possible because we have partnered with a select number of organizations to help us produce the content that we produce. And we call these organizations our strategic partners. Well, one of our strategic partners is Element 451. You guys have heard me talk about them before. They're one of the leading CRMs in the education space. They have the power of a slate, but the UX and design functionality of a HubSpot, they're just a really robust uh, operation and platform. Well, Element has just launched a brand new course called the Enrollment Analytics Course. And this is going to be an eight-week-long cohort that is led by Element's Chief Analytics Officer, JC Benilla. The team there has put a ton of time and resources and energy into this course. I know it's going to be fantastic, but they're limiting the first cohort to just 20 people. And this is where it gets even better. So, Two Enrollify subscribers who apply before August 15th will be will receive a $300 discount on the course. The total course is $700, but it gets even better because one of those subscribers will get a full scholarship, and I get to pick who that subscriber is. I will take any and all bribes. Uh, just kidding. Uh, but this is a really cool opportunity. If you have a, a lot of data in your CRM and you're just not entirely sure how to actualize it, you aren't entirely sure, hey, how do I make better strategic decisions with my time? What sort of systems and processes and workflows should be set up to help me make sense of all of this data? Then this course is for you. Again, you don't have to be using Element to get value for this course. So if anyone who has any CRM who wants to make better, smarter marketing decisions with that CRM, can benefit greatly from the enrollment analytics course. So head on over to element451.com forward slash analytics or scroll down to the show notes, click over to that landing page and apply. And if you talk to the team there, if you have any questions, uh, you know, feel free to say that you're an Enrollify subscriber. Uh, that will help us and that will help Element. Or if you have any specific questions about the course offering, feel free to reach out to me directly. All right, everybody, enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Fanatical Fridays, a weekly podcast where I sit down with Mickey Baines, a principal at Kennedy & Company, which is a higher education consulting firm, to discuss the traits, the strategies, and the tactics that separate the best enrollment management teams from the rest of the pack. I'm Zach Cruz, founder here at Enrollify. Enjoy the show. Well, Mickey, glad you uh, made it into the right Zoom meeting. Um, well, you know, there's something to say about having unique Zoom meeting links uh, <laughs> for every meeting, um, you know, and, and clicking in your calendar in the right meeting. You know, typically, if you do that, you will find the right link for the Zoom meeting. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I actually just I, I pretty much always use my personal meeting link just because I I'm always, I feel like, in such a cluster before meetings and in between meetings that the idea of having to go find the meeting specific link just seems sort of overwhelming. And I'm just always nervous that I'm going to send the wrong thing to the wrong person. So I just keep it simple and use my, you know, personal meeting ID for just about everything, which I'm sure is like probably bad for security reasons or other reasons. But, um, you know, serves me well so far. So glad you made it. Glad you made it into the right meeting, though. Yes, I am as well. Um, you know, it, I don't use the personal meeting. Like I stopped using that when the Zoom bomb thing happened, and I just never went back to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But I one have of the found smart ones, one of the smart ones. Sound like yeah. me. <laughs> well, wait, you know, my well, I think mine was probably easier to hack. My my personal meeting link because you at the time could customize them. I just made it my phone number. Ah, I get okay, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I so I just thought, well, people probably could, you know, that's that's something maybe people would try to hack it. You know, not that anyone's trying to hack me. Let's be clear. There's no reason to be hacking my meetings, but. Well, my, uh, my thing is like as long as long as like you know, folks, because it used to be the case that anyone would just join the meeting, right? But now that they have like the waiting room, which at first when it first came out, I thought it was yeah. the most annoying feature, and now I love it um, because then you can just wait to you can see, oh, Mickey Baines, who the heck is this? Like deny, right? You can deny them access yeah. to your room, and so I feel like that kind of you know solves for the issues that the personal meeting link had originally. But anyhow, yeah. Yeah, and that's the other thing. I never enabled that. Um, but I also, you know, being forcing me to go into my calendar, it forces me to really start paying attention ahead of time of who I'm meeting with. So ah, well, that's good. Uh, that's good. All right. Well, pro yeah. tips, pro tips. Um, taking notes, taking notes. So, Mickey, uh, what are we, what are we talking about today? Well, you know, I wanted to um, talk a little bit about hiring today. Ooh, okay. And before we get into that. Uh, I guess in re- in a related note, because uh, I can segue fairly easy into this, you know, I'm coming off a couple of weeks. Did we did we have an episode last week? I'm I can't even remember. No, you know what? We uh, I, I called an Thursday. audible. I called an audible last yeah. week because yeah. um, Omaha, Omaha, oh, uh, Omaha for all the Peyton Manning fans. Oh yes, um, yes, yes, yes. So you called an audible. So we did have a recording last week. So you know, it, this has been a a, a busy time for project proposals for us. Mm. Lots of folks saying, hey, we, we got work to do and uh, we need some help. We want your thoughts on this. And um, and, I, and I've had to turn away a little bit more than we normally do. I'm getting ready to email um, a prospective client today to say, no, we this isn't going to be right uh, for us. Um, good luck. And here's some thoughts I have on, on how, to, how you can go forward. Um, but we, you know, I've got one that was a CRM related, um, work and selection and thinking through design, uh, for the technology and, and, and we talked about support long-term, you know, uh, support and direction and driving, you know, this, the tool going live and like, well, we've got that taken care of. I'm like, okay. Um, who are we going to train? Well, we don't have to train. What, what do you mean you don't have to train? Well, we, we've just made an offer to hire our new um, technology director, CRM director. I'm like, oh, but we were just talking about um, selecting a tool and you hired someone to direct the tool that doesn't need training. How do you Hmm. know, how's that person going to know how to direct it without training? Uh, And they've already gone to hire. They don't know what tool they're going to select, but they've got the person that doesn't need training um, to direct it. And that, you know, you look at flags and, was a flag like okay? Well, it sounds to me like you've got it covered because this person's going to be able to do that for you. We're we're not going to be able to offer, I don't think, the right help for that. And so it just it got me thinking a lot about hiring hmm. and what is it we're looking for in hiring? What are requirements versus true requirements? Um, how do you interview? How do you test and interview what someone knows? How do you get them to demonstrate that to you in a way that is authentic someone's not trying to give you an answer they think you want to hear you know i think those are all key components to ensuring that when you're assembling your team regardless of what the team's supposed to do yeah. that you've got the right people on that team yeah 
And so that's yeah. that's what I wanted to maybe talk about today. I, and I and I do I know um, a lot of admission teams probably have already made some summer hires because they got a well thought probably was a few weeks ago they will be back on the road, maybe yeah. not yet. Um, and and now they have to think about um, doing this virtually. Yeah. At least the you know traditional institutions um, may have to think about doing this virtually again, which will lead to another interesting fall. But you know, I just thought maybe we'd we'd talk a little bit about hiring and interviewing and yeah. Oh, I love things. it. I love it. Yeah, and and you know, as you're as you're talking, one of the things that um, I've I've been thinking about this a lot as well, mostly like for internal reasons, um, but also in just some conversations I've had with folks in the industry. And one of the things, one of the latest, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know if you want to call it sort of like a pro tip, um, because I haven't experimented with it too much. So I don't want to stand behind it um, too closely. But I think the mistake that a lot of folks make when hiring is they're quick to sort of establish a, a title and a role. And that sort of comes before sort of the what is it that we actually need this person to do? And I think that sometimes organizations do that to be attractive. So like, oh, we need a director of admissions. Um, and it's like, okay, well, what does that actually mean? Like to you, right? Like what, 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 is, what are the specific tasks that you need done? Or maybe it's an admissions counselor. What are the specific tasks that you actually need to be done in the next six to 12 months? And sometimes, right, there's this big disconnect between like, oh, you know what? We really just need somebody to help build out our Comflow. And it's like, okay, well, do you, do you really need somebody at like a leadership level to do that, right? And, and if you bring somebody in at a leadership level to do that, are they gonna quickly like get tired and bored and burned out? Because what you really just have is a ton of important but busy work, if you will, like boots on the ground work to just get done. And that's actually like first order of priority before you can get into sort of like, okay, let's, you know, think a little bit more strategically about the next one, two, you know, three recruitment cycles. And I think that the temptation for folks right now and the, re the quite honestly, the reality is that there's just a lot of like, grunt work that needs to be done. There's a lot of like tactics that need to be executed. Uh, and sometimes that has to happen before, right, depending on the institution, but sometimes that has to happen before you think longer term strategy. And I think that that has a huge bearing on who you hire, how you craft that job description, and who's actually going to be able to succeed in the role. Does that make sense? Uh, absolutely. Real quick, I want to pause just yeah. to say you were breaking up in that, and I don't know if it's you or me. Oh, okay. Um, it sounds good on yeah, my end. There were like several. I flipped. I flipped um, in the middle of that from one um, router to another. My, you know, from my five gigahertz to my two point four gigahertz, just to see if there was a difference in there. Okay, there well, wasn't. So, well, I, it so sounds Daniel, good on my end. Listening. So far, if, if good I, luck. Yeah, if, we, if, we. if it's if it's that good luck, if it's me, <laughs> you're going to need good luck. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Um, yeah. So back to the conversation. Yes. I think that all makes, um, great sense. And, you know, I, I started to modify my approach to hiring, hmm. um, gosh, back in 2006, maybe 2007. Um, and, and I, it's not to say that I've stuck with that because I continue to, to think and modify, but there's some principles I learned um, from a book um, back then that I began to apply and think about as I wrote the job descriptions for positions I 
was hiring for. And, and I think I continue to evolve that even today as we hire, um, whether that's an entry-level position, a mid-level or, mid or even a senior position, as we look for what it is specifically we need that person to accomplish. And I think kind of that kind of relates a little bit to what you're saying there, Zach. You know, it's it's not let's look at this title. Let's the, the title can come, but you know, what is it we really need this person to accomplish? Yeah. And what must they already have experienced in order to do that? Uh, or what must they have? What must they have in their DNA um, that will demonstrate to us that they have the ability to do that? And especially if you're hiring someone that's making a move up then technically they don't already have everything you're looking for. They yeah. can't already demonstrate they've already done that. Otherwise it's a lateral move. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, I think about that in terms of promotions, you know, and we had these conversations with our own team, you know, if you were being evaluated as uh, you know, your performance evaluation, if you were getting really high scores and you're promoted, that score shouldn't be the same because you're being asked to do something at a higher level in a different way or something different altogether. Hmm. And you shouldn't necessarily have come into your first evaluation, which, which would be three to six months after you've been promoted in that role and have mastered it. The score is based on how well you've mastered it all. And we didn't, if you've mastered it in six months, it wasn't enough of a change, really, in my mind. Yeah, this yeah. is not for our company, but in my mind, if you can master it in six months, there wasn't enough significant change for it to be a true promotion. Hmm. It's a, it's an additional responsibility or a shift in responsibility, but a promotion should be something much more elevated that requires you to challenge and push yourself, that requires you to to not be able to master that quickly. Yeah, yeah. and when I look at some of our roles, it's not to say it's locked in. But certain roles, I would anticipate someone, if you start at the entry point of that role, it, it should take you two to three years to master it to the point that you're ready for the next roll up. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so I always come to that in mind. Anyway, but so there's some principles I thought I would share today. And, yeah, and these aren't mine. I'm going to use, I'll, I'm going to start with the book that I first pulled these from. It's from uh, Jack Welch, the former CEO of General Electric. Um, the book title, which is my least favorite part of the book, is called Winning. Um, uh, he did not have Charlie Sheen or Donald Trump help influence uh, the book title. I don't believe there's no reference or acknowledgement there uh, in the book. If he did, but um, but he was talked about how they hire, um, and maybe in another episode we'll talk about how they evaluate teams because they have this seven seventy twenty ten or twenty seventy ten approach to performance evaluation. Which um, I'll just just give you now. The bottom ten is it's time to go. Yeah, every year. So the bottom ten got to go. Doesn't mean you've done something critically bad, but just because you're in the bottom tip, got to go. Hmm. So um, very interesting. Um, but, uh, and I'm not saying I've adopted that. <laughs> People are like, oh my God, that guy's yeah, a like that's the, I don't want to work with it. No, 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 no. Man, like um, God, I'm, but, not, I'm never coming to Kennedy and Company, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, but in the book, he talks about five critical elements they assess when they're making a hire. They call it the four E's and one P. The four E's right. and one P. So they're okay. looking at, yeah, four E's and one P. So um, they're looking at um, energy. What type of energy are you bringing to the role? And I will tell you, I was forced to not consider, have that as a component in my search and in, in my last role in higher ed um, because they were afraid that that could lead to some type of age um, discrimination. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, 
So, yeah. And so we changed that to enthusiasm. Okay. Okay. Um, so, but energy, the ability to energize others, execution, uh, demonstrated uh, that you can execute. You've got, you can demonstrate through that interview and resume process that you can execute on what it is they're, they're asking you to do. And the final E is edge. What sets you apart from everyone else? You, you, you need some type of edge in addition to those things to, to help you set apart. And then the P is passion passion for the work that you'll be asked to do. Um, and I, and I love it. And when I started hiring based on that, I will tell you, I don't think, um, and I'm trying to remember, cause this has been a while now. I don't think I've ever had to terminate someone I hired off of that criteria. Wow. Wow. Um, and, and it's not that I've terminated lots of people, let's be clear, but, um, you know, I've, I've, I've inherited teams, um, in higher ed, especially when I was in a higher ed, as well as in when I've stepped into interim roles um, and and applied that principle to how we assess and hire future members while I'm at those institutions. Yeah. Uh, and and there have been people that, you know, were not terminated or let go um, because they're poorly they're poor performers or poor employees. It's they, it wasn't the right fit. And I think that's, that's key. And so when you look at that execution, demonstrated execution in what that person's being asked to do, not that they are a great person and they can't execute on other things. It's just that they may have been hired without the ability to execute on, on some core um, elements of a specific position that they have. And so let's, let's find that right position and move them uh, and then see them truly succeed. They're happier. Um, you know, when you're, when you're not successful and someone's over your shoulder, you're not happy uh, or most people aren't. Um, so I, I think that's important. And then the other thing I thought, you know, I hear this a lot. Uh, I get asked and I do occasionally um, serve on a selection committee for a client. Uh, sometimes as an active participant, a non-voting yet active participant, sometimes as just uh, an inactive participant, someone who just kind of listens in and gives some counsel um, in the deliberation phase a little bit, but again, non-voting. Um, but, you know, it's it's always been surprising to me um, that let's say we've got a director of admissions uh, position we want to hire for, and let's just say we're at a two-year institution, and, and one of the top things that are being asked the person is to have X number of years experience at, within the community college. Sure. Um, and maybe X number of experience in admission, zero requirement for experience in leading people. Um, if, if I'm running a team, you know, that it's not to say that you have to have 10 years of it, but to, you know, I, it's harder to teach someone to manage other people yeah. than it is to teach them about the community college experience. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I see uh, prior priorities placed in, misplaced priorities are being misplaced on what it is we need that person to do. Do we need that person to be the community college leader or do we need this person to ensure that you're enrolling the number of students and retaining the number of students necessary for the college to be successful? Um, you know, and I think let's think about what the true priorities are. Yeah. I, and I think that those, and that gets back to what you're saying, what is it we're asking this person to do? Um, you know, I, having an understanding of the community college, I get that, but to say that that's more important, um, it is a little is a little bit misleading to me, or it opens a door, I think, for you to make some poor hires. Someone that ha can't necessarily you're, you're open the door to say that you could qualify, and we will interview potentially interview you for a role, 
And yet you've not had the pressure of meeting a class before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because you've worked in admissions doesn't mean you've had a pressure of meeting a class and ensuring that a team can do it. And if we're going and saying it's an executive director for enrollment or an assistant dean for enrollment management, typically you're looking at directors, um, maybe an associate director um, for that hire or maybe lateral moves. But when you look at that, what is it? You know, how many people is this leading? Is this person leading multiple teams? Is it leading a large team? Um, are they coming from a larger team where they really might only have two or three people? How will they adjust and how do they work with that? And I think that's really important. And then the third thing I'll add to this is how do we determine once we have those priorities straight, how do we determine if this person really can demonstrate that they've executed on this in the past or they, they can't execute on it? How do we do that other, you know, without saying, um, tell me about how you do, how you executed. Tell me about how you met the class. How yeah. do we find other questions so that they don't necessarily know specifically what you are looking for in the question so that they just have to give you their answer and then your follow-up can kind of dive a little deeper, if that makes sense. Um, but I don't like to ask that direct question when I'm doing interviews. And it throws my colleagues off in an interview committee like, what What the hell is he asking? That's, that's an odd question. I ask high-level, broad questions that allow people to take it in the direction that's most comfortable for them when they're answering it. Um, and I can see where their strengths are, I think, a little more clearly that way. Um, you know, and, and I might ask them, you know, tell me a little bit about the last, you know, fall 2021 experience for you. Um, you know, tell me, I want to know how they made their numbers, but I want it to leave it broad enough so they can tell me whatever they think is most important that I need to know. Um, if numbers don't come up at all, I'm concerned sure. in that answer, right? Yeah, I, yeah, that, yeah. that should be part of it. Um, you know, as, as myself, someone who's responsible for business development, I can tell you, I'm not motivated by revenue numbers or um, or sales. No, I, I, I'm, mo I, that's not what motivates me. I'm, I'm motivated by client success mm. and, and we succeed based on that. So I, it's not that numbers have to be the end all be all when I'm looking at enrollment management positions, but if it's not covered at all, um, then I, you know, I'm, I'm curious about why, and I would ask a follow-up question. So that's great. That's a, that's a wild experience. How did it end for you? You know, yeah. what, what did fall look like? And you need to dive in, but I don't want to start there. I want to see what direction they go so I can talk, so I can see where they like to focus on what their priorities are um, and, and a little bit more about their insights and personality. Yeah. This so why don't is, I pause and let you yeah, chime in? Yeah, no, this is, this is all, this is all awesome. I love the three E's and a P framework. And one of the things. Four E's, Zach, four, four E's. Don't forget edge. Four, I forgot Gotta edge. have the edge. Forgot edge. Um. <laughs> Which actually, that, it's funny that you said that because I want to talk. I, I'd love to unpack what edge means. Um, but before before we do that, maybe we'll have to do a, a different episode on that. Um, a couple things just came to mind just as you're as you're talking here around one of the things that I've seen a lot of within teams, right, is that you're tempted. I think I think the temptation is to reward the person on the team that is doing a really, really, really great uh, a job at their job with a leadership position. And I think that that can be a devastating mistake just because somebody is fantastic at doing their job, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that that person should take a leadership position. And what I mean by that, right, is that 
I, and I, I actually think that this is like a, I don't know if it's a societal fault. I don't know if it's an industry fault. I don't know who to blame here, but we've sort of associated, right? Like leadership with this like uh, desired state, right? And like, if you want to make more money, if you want to achieve uh, uh, more influence, right? Like you, you sort of by default kind of have to become a leader. And I think the problem with that is that some people are really, really great leaders and really, really, really great managers. And some people are really, really good at their job, but just not good at those other things. And I I think that there should be like these parallel paths of like, okay, hey, how can you continue to reward somebody with increased pay, increased influence in some way, right? But not necessarily feel like and, and not have them feel like the only way to sort of like move up the ladder is to step into a role that one, once they get there, they might not enjoy as much as they think that they will, right? And and two, they might not actually be that good at leading other people, even though they're experts in their craft. And I think that like, I know that we're talking about hiring and now I'm talking a little bit more about sort of like team development and, and professional growth. But I think that as the as an industry like we we owe it to ourselves like we have a duty to kind of like shake things up a little bit and help people understand pathways right to success that don't necessarily involve having to lead people and vice versa what are your what are your thoughts on that Oh, I, I, I very much agree. And I, so let's talk about the four E's and a P approach to, to assessing that, because what I'm looking at then is, you know, when you think about execution on that, um, I'm, I may, I'm maybe interviewing someone that has, that cannot demonstrate that they've successfully led a team. Yeah. Yeah. Because they may not have had that. Now that doesn't mean you can't hire that person, but it does mean that you need to ask more probing questions to be sure that they have a good idea of what leading a team means. Have they thought about it, that approach? If they've not put thought into, well, this is how I want to lead the team. Yeah. Yeah. Then they're not ready for that role, at least as part of the interview. Like I, we need, you can't hire based on that assumption. Yeah. You are dramatically increasing your risk of a failed hire. Yeah. Of putting someone in a position that is unfair to them. And when that person moves on and is unsuccessful and your enrollment is not where it needs to be, the hiring person or persons need to have some level of responsibility and ownership for that. Sure. Because you need to understand what does it mean? You need to understand what it means to lead a team if you're hiring someone to lead one of your teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and, uh, and, say- and maybe even so much as what type of leader this particular team needs if you've got a good team. If you've got a good team that you or you've got a team that is not a good team and you're hiring a leader for it there, that that may mean then that you need team changes. Sure. Whether it's a substitution, you're benching someone that's a starter that's going to have lesser of a role, whatever that may mean that you believe may be needed, then you need to be thinking about that when you're hiring. How good will this person be at demoting someone? Yeah. terminating someone at coaching for improvement, which I probably should have said first, because I want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt here. You know, how, how good can this person be at that? And they may not have done it before, but your questions in the interview, you need to be 100% confident after that interview, if that's the person for you, or if you think you're 100% confident, but, but aren't exactly there yet, then you need a, another interview or an extended time until you are 
as confident as you possibly can be. That's not to say that you're perfect in every hire, but you need to be very, very confident in that. And before you make that offer, yeah. you know, that's the other thing I'll tell you about this book when it's talking about hiring is if you don't have the right fit, you never, ever, ever compromise and hire someone because they're the best person in that pool. Mm. You suck it up and you just deal with the pain of not having someone in that place until you find the person. Yeah. The yeah. worst decision you can make is a compromise in your hire. Yeah. No. And that is, and I will, and I firmly, firmly believe in that. Um, you know, we, I needed to have someone in a role this January and we didn't have someone in that role until June. And it was painful. Yeah. Painful, painful, painful. We had a couple offers um, that weren't accepted. We had many other people that were very interested in our work that we did not make an offer to that could have been great in other roles, but not in this particular role. And I needed to hire for what we really need for the coming six to 12 months. I couldn't hire for 20 months down the road. But I think that um, that's that. Yeah. And I, I think that, that that's where it starts, though, Mickey, which I think uh, you've done the work. You guys have like put in the time, right? The hours to understand, hey, no, 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 no. This is what we really need. This is what we are going to, again, maybe not need forever, but at least the next six to 12 months. The only way that this person is going to be successful. The only way that they're going to help us realize the success that we're that we're looking for is if they do these things. If they are capable of doing these specific things, not you know three out of the ten, not you know eight out of the ten, but ten out of the ten of the things that we need to get done in the next six to twelve months. And I really do think that 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 starts internally with the organization that is hiring. And I I really in my in my you know limited experience talking with folks in the space who spend a lot of time hiring, it's like it the the perception that I get is that oftentimes the work hasn't been done or enough work hasn't been done internally before that job posting goes up. And I think that like yes. that is a recipe for disaster. A, a, a quick thought. Um, you know, it's been, it's funny that you, you mentioned sort of like somebody could be a really good fit. Maybe they could be a leader in a, in a different sort of context. But it's really important that, you know, you understand that hey, no, this person is the right person to lead in this specific environment with this specific team, with this specific, you know, at this specific school with these specific goals. And um, my wife and I are, are big like Orange Theory fans. And we, um, for those that don't know, it's a, you know, group fitness class, um, high intensity interval training. And uh, we were actually at an Orange Theory over the past couple days. Uh, I mean, I'm in Connecticut at the moment. And um the you know the what what you expect right just to like paint a quick picture here what you expect when you walk into an orange theory is that the music is bumping it is the coach has high energy right there's going to be good direction good coaching right you're you're busting your ass right and you you need sort of like not just a cheerleader but somebody that's going to like when you want to just you know get off that treadmill or stop lifting that weight, right? You want somebody that's going to be like, nope, nope, nope. Hey, keep going. Give me one more rep, Zach, one more rep, right? And like, that's what you are paying for. Like you are paying to get your ass whooped. Like that's the whole premise of, of Orange Theory, right? And so uh, over the past couple days, uh, the coaches in the particular studio that we've uh, been at have really not like met that expectation. They're might they might be decent leaders. They're good facilitators, right, of the class, but they're not good coaches. And it is such a noticeable difference. And so again, small tangent there, but my my point is that I think right what 
the work of the organization, the job of the organization is to get really clear and really specific, not just about we need a leader, but what kind of leader do we need? And what kind of leader does this team that we currently have need? And what is most important in the short term? We can figure out long-term stuff later, but in the short term, how are we gonna ensure that this person is going to be able to deliver the results right, is going to be able to tackle the issues that are in front of us, you know, six feet away, not six miles away. I very much agree with that. I think in looking at, and again, this is about taking the time to look at what it is specifically we need the person to accomplish. It's not just, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm picking on this director of admissions type position, um, but it's not necessarily just looking at what numbers we need to hit. What activities you know, do we need this team to do and hit and achieve in order to hit those numbers? Um, and, and how well has this team been doing that? And what was missing in the previous leader, whether that person was successful uh, and moved on to a bigger and better thing or whether they were unsuccessful or just decided, they're, say they're mediocre and they decided to move on to something different. Either way, you know, what, what was it that, that that person was or was not doing that worked and didn't work? And what do we need this next person to do to get the team to the next level? Yeah. Because it's, it's not to, to maintain. We want to help people grow. Uh, and, and the better we're able to do that, the more they will be able to achieve as a team. And what is it we need? And understanding that will have impact, should at least have an impact on your thoughts and what you're looking for in hiring and could potentially modify slightly what you have in terms of that job description and, and uh, job requirements. So uh, I think that's just really important and not necessarily change the whole bit of that description, but at least components of it. What role you may have a seasoned team um, versus a very inexperienced team. And in that scenario, then you might want someone who's more focused on coaching or, or can better demonstrate their ability to execute on coaching as their way towards execution. Um, if you've got a seasoned team, it might be a little bit more on updating, modifying, improving your strategies, and then just working with that seasoned team to ensure that they're adopting it, right? Those, yeah. those might be two very different things I'm looking for. And the questions that I'm asking aren't just about leadership, aren't just about managing a team. It's getting to that next level deeper. So let's, I need to understand how they are, you know, how do they differ in their approach as a leader to coaching a new person, to working with someone um, who's ready for their promotion and helping them get to that next level or someone who's been in the role for 20 years. How do they teach, how do they treat those, um, those experiences differently? Do they, and it's not for me, how they actually do that. The, A, are they aware that those are different yeah, levels? Yeah. Uh, and then how have they done it or where is their mind around on it? And have they thought about it? Are they prepared for it? I, I need to understand that. And that's what I'm generally looking for. Again, it, it's, it's not just the basic stuff. We need to go deeper in that. And I think that's just an important piece of it. Um, and, and, and I'll just throw this one little, I know we're coming to your time here, but I'll throw this one little nugget in there too. For a, for a search committee, um, I, you, you want the committee to have their process. Uh, I, I've, I've had ups and downs with experiences in search committees or, or my, my belief in the role of search committee. I will tell you that they are incredibly valuable, especially in the sense of, of having different people here 
the same questions and answers um, posed to a person. Not that I'm necessarily a proponent of asking each candidate the exact same question. I think there needs to be nuance there, and that's a different topic. But, but you know, and the, when everyone hears that answer, they may interpret it differently, and I think that's part of the conversation you have after that. Um, but for a search committee itself, if we know what it is we're looking for in that job description, I think they need to understand to say, look, with this group that this person will be leading, these are the things we know we need them to have and uh, to be able to do. And as we think about the types of questions we ask, we need to be sure we're understanding these things when we assess all of our candidates. And I think given that, and I've seen schools more likely give that direction when they're reviewing resumes, but not as much when they're getting ready to prepare for a virtual um you know, that next round interview phase it used to be called the phone interview um, versus an in-person interview, which I don't even know that that, you know, I don't, I don't know the likelihood of how much that'll come back to be, but, but, you know, as you go through the various rounds, what is it that you focus on each round? Um, it, it needs to be explicitly said each round, not just at one point and let that carry through because I, I, you need to come back to it, circle it, and ensure that you're getting those types of questions. And that, you know, when you've got a search committee that gets 60 to 90 minutes with someone and there's eight people in the committee, that realistically is 1.5 questions per person. Well, that can go off quickly if you're not careful about knowing and ensuring that the team knows what we need to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mickey, I, I love this. Um, I think that the, what we need to do is just pivot and become a talent search firm, or I don't know, maybe we should, you know, leave Kennedy and company and enrollify and just go help people recruit full time. I mean, it sounds like we've, we've figured this, uh, this out. <laughs> uh, in theory, we certainly have. I look, we you, you can listen to any podcast, any video speaker, whatever it is, and listen to the talk. At the at the end of the day, what we know is not going to fully match what's fully on the ground at your institution. But I think hearing that and knowing that you have a model in place and knowing what you need to be prepared for is really critical. Uh, and and I'll say this, Zach, these are the conversations I truly enjoy having with clients. Uh, I don't have a service to offer that, you know, for a school like that, where it's like, oh, this is this is how we do it. This is the, you know, the fee paid. I'm happy to have these conversations pro bono. I mean, I have a limit to how much time I can do it, but <laughs> but I'm happy to do it because this is important to yeah. me. It's exciting yeah. to me. And at the end of the day, um, my work dramatically changes when I have uh, great, successful people in these leadership positions. Yeah. True that, true that. Well, sir, thank you as always um, for your for your musings. Um, I appreciate them, and I learn something new every time we talk. So, um, cool, well, Zach. Well, thank you. We'll uh, chat more. Uh, what is this episode? Uh, I need to ask. Is this episode one hundred and one? No, no. I mean, so uh, the the core Enrollify podcast show just uh, just had its hundredth episode. I believe Fanatical Fridays. This must be at least we must be approaching fifty, dude. I don't know. Um, we're getting close. Yeah, we're yeah. getting close. I wish I knew. I should know. Um, but yeah, cool. Um, we'll chat soon. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hey, friends, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Fanatical Fridays with Mickey Baines. If you have an idea for a topic you think we should cover on this show or riff on, 
please feel free to reach out directly to me at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org, um, and I will bring it up with Mickey, and we will chat about it on an upcoming episode. So again, that's Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org, and reach out if you have questions, comments, thoughts, ideas for things that we should be talking about. All right, guys, take care, and we'll see you next week.